Praise the Lord. Woo. I'm glad you are here tonight. You Friday night Christian, you. Praise God. And you have bunched up fairly well. You can all move this way if you want. But, uh, man, I'm glad you're here. And I'm expecting, as I, as I would, but as you can also, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to do something inside of us in the next few minutes and in each of these services that'll be life-changing and revolutionary. Don't you think that's exactly what God has on His mind all the time? He's not a mediocre type thinker. He thinks in terms of doing things radical and doing things big and doing things that are life-changing. And I, I believe that that's exactly what he's got in mind for the next few minutes. How many of you think change would be good for you still, even at this stage? That's two hands for me, as always. God's a good God. We know that. And we know that he's got good things for us and that he wants to bring those good things to us in Jesus' name. So go ahead and be seated. Well, I did once, but... Glory to God. You glad it's Friday? Yeah. Apparently not. It's just, it seemed to be a simple question, but uh, I'll try to clarify. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. We're living in amazing times. Oh, there's sound. How many of you heard me already? Yeah. All right. We're living in amazing times. Don't let the devil tell you these are the dark days. These are great days. Don't let the devil tell you these are the hard times. These are the great times. In the middle of hardship, and anybody throughout history has gone through hardship, but in the middle of hardship, there are real answers from the Spirit of God, and there's something real powerful that God's ready to do at any point in time. He's ready to heal always. He's ready to deliver always. He's ready to lift our life always. And it's not, he doesn't hold back. The Bible's real clear about this. He's not withholding from those who will walk uprightly or walk with excellence. He's not holding back. <coughs> now, we hold back sometimes, but not the Friday night Christians. Friday night Christians... <laughs> Don't hold back. Yes, amen, Dennis, that's right. Amen. Praise God. So I want to jump right into some things here on Friday night. I don't want to keep you long. <coughs> I don't know, that sounded funny from me. Uh, but I'm going to keep you long enough. Man, I've come loaded. I'm glad we've got three services here and one in, in Loon Lake. You know, I began my Canadian ministry in Loon Lake. Glory to God. And I still love getting to go. And so, uh, and uh, some of you already, you come, every time I come up there, you come. But the rest of you, come on and show up, man. We're going to have a good time. And, and uh, we'll just extend what we're doing here and do it there too. Praise God. But I want you to open your Bible. I want you to open it to the Gospel of Matthew. I've got some really strong things in my spirit for each of these services. I really do. I've had God take me on a trek over the last number of months and help me understand certain things from a perspective that I need to be delivering to the body of Christ and, and uh, in places I go. And I just, you know... Uh, I, I believe that the timing is going to be just right for you for what God's going to have me deal with here tonight. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And here's what we all know. We all know it just takes a single concept, a single word from God to really revolutionize things for us. That's how change comes. It doesn't, it doesn't come because of the calendar. It doesn't come because of uh, anything, but God has a word for us. And if we choose to receive it, if we... Let me say it again, if we choose to receive it. Amen. You got to choose to receive things. God lays it out, but we choose to receive. But when we do, it unlocks the real energy and power of the Holy Spirit for the kind of change that the Word's designed to bring. So I want to talk to you about some things. First of all, just in the parable that we're going to look at now, this is real familiar territory, and it will be to you. 
And some of the things that I want to talk to you about I need to position by just rehearsing, reviewing, going through these, these teachings of Jesus. And here's why. Jesus said of the particular parable we're going to look at, he said that if we understand this parable, we understand the kingdom of God. That's an amazing thing. <clears throat> and so I want to begin reading in Matthew. Now, this, this same parable is in the gospel of Mark also. But this time I want, to, I want to use Matthew, and you'll see a good reason for it here shortly. But it's in chapter 13. Tonight I'm going to use the New Living Translation just because I can. And uh, I want to begin really not with the parable as he was giving the parable, but I want to begin with the explanation of the parable that Jesus gave to his disciples. <clears throat> Begins in verse 19, where Jesus said, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Say with joy. With joy. <clears throat> That's really the only way to receive the word. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have a problem or are persecuted for believing God's Word. Verse 22, The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear the Word of God, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Then there's seed that fell on good soil. Glory to God, say good soil. Man, we like the good soil. We like to think that we are that good soil. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear the word. Notice they all hear. All of these different people that Jesus is describing using this metaphor, all of them hear. But there's just different things that happen. And that's what we're really going to talk about tonight. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's Word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Everybody say planted. God plants His Word. He not only has spoken His Word, He, he plants it like seed. Glory to God. What a great picture it is. And to understand this concept is to understand things in the kingdom of God that oftentimes people neglect to really pay attention to. You see, walking with God is really a walk. It's not a chasing after God. It's not a trying to see where he's going so we know which way we can go. It is a walk with him, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder. And in order for that to happen, there's some things inside of this parable and things we'll look at tonight that make a huge difference on how successful we really are in walking with God. Each of these people that Jesus is describing, all of them heard the word. And, of course, the, the, the metaphor is, and you've heard this dozens and many, many times, and I know that. But I'm going through it again. Because the God's Word being planted, God gives the Word, and how these different soils receive the Word tells the story as to what's going to happen. Here's what we find a lot of times. There's Christians, they go to church, they hear, and they hear, and they hear, but oftentimes things are not changing for them all that much. In fact, sometimes things aren't changing at all. Oftentimes even Christians get real discouraged, really down, because they're hearing things, but nothing's happening. 
They begin to question if what they're hearing is even right because nothing seems to happen. And yet here's the amazing thing in the way Jesus taught it. The seed in these cases would all be the same seed. There's no difference in the seed. But the difference in the results, one getting nothing, one getting it for a little while, one getting it for a little longer, and then others getting a lot. The difference is all in how that soil has received that seed. And so here's the picture. Four different kinds of people, if you want to look at it this way. And there's lots of ways of teaching this parable. I've heard a lot of them. I like all of them. Uh, well, almost all of them. And, uh, and so there, there's room for different directions to take. But this is, to me, so clear that Jesus is telling you and me that you can receive the Word and you can choose how effective you are going to be in the Word. Right. Four different kinds of soil. Let's look at them briefly. One of them is a footpath, a pathway. And you've, you've seen, been on, walked on, maybe created some of your own paths right, right across the, the soil. What, what is it that makes ground turn into a pathway? It just gets, gets walked on a lot. And one of the reasons that the seed does not penetrate into people's life is because they've just gotten hard as concrete. And one of the reasons many people get hard is simply because they actually have been walked on in a variety of ways. You know, life is messy. Life is tough. Life is not a storybook. Life has its real hardships, and oftentimes it is the people in our life that help bring a lot of that hardship. Now, don't get too cocky about it because they're saying the same thing. <laughs> it's the people in my life that bring a lot of the hardness or the hardship. But here's what oftentimes people have done. And remember, now, these are all people that are hearing the Word. So since we're here on Friday night in church and I'm talking to the body of Christ here, this is a church meeting, I'm just going to go ahead and assume you're already born again. You already love Jesus. You showed up tonight because you're hungry for God to do something in your life. You already know Jesus. Now, if you don't, it doesn't take long, and you're in the right place. And you can settle it right now in a moment's time. Lord, I want to know you. And you're on the right path. But here's, here's the point, and you get it. As believers, people that know the Lord, there are still people that though the Word of God has caused them to be born again, they remain hardened and not understanding the things that the kingdom of God really is teaching. You've known people like that, and so have I. They love the Lord. They go to church. They read their Bible when they can find it. But they really don't get it. I'm not trying to be harsh or judgmental. I'm just telling you that's just the way it goes. A lot of people, they just don't get it. I mean, after years and years and years of being a Christian, they're still hassling with the same questions that they were right after they got saved. And so they haven't really made a great deal of progress. Here's what Jesus said. He said there's some that when the Word is sown, when they hear it, it's just like going on to hard ground. It does not go into their heart. All right, right from the start here, let me, let me work on that word heart. I was going to wait till later, but I think I'll do it now. Because here's what you find. You find that as a born-again believer, the Word of God obviously has already entered into you, hasn't it? You've already been born of the Spirit of God. You've already been recreated, and the inner man has been made in the, into the righteousness of God, has actually come alive. Glory to God. That's the new birth. You're born of the Spirit. And frankly, being born of the Spirit, having God move into you with all of His power and all of His goodness available to us, 
what is, the, what is the deal here that the heart of a person could be in a position where they're not receiving even though Jesus dwells on the inside of them? I mean, that seems, that seems impossible. And I would think it was impossible, except I know too many people for which it's exactly the case. They have Jesus on the inside and they have a lot of pain or confusion or uncertainty or questions or anxiety or all the fruit in their soul that would seem like Jesus was not really ruling in their life all that well. Are you with me in this? Now, look, I don't say that to be harsh or condemning. It's just that's what goes on, and what we're going to look at tonight, I believe, can bring some real remedy and clarity about how to get out of that kind of a deal and how to help others out. So let's talk about the heart for just a minute. It's, it's interesting to me, in, even in the New Testament, the word heart, which obviously he's not talking about the physical organ. He's talking about that inner man, the inner life of a person. But there are oftentimes passages where you could really interchange a different word for the word heart, and you could use the word spirit, the spirit of man. You see, God made us, you know he did, he made us in his image, in his likeness. God is a triune being, he made you also as a triune being. He is, that triune is just a way of saying three parts. And I know some people get freaked out that God would be in three parts. It's like, how is, how is that even possible? You see, we don't have a problem when it's an egg. We don't have a problem with an egg having three parts. It's got a shell, it's got a white, it's got a yolk, it's all an egg. We have no problem with that. Somehow with God, it's like, oh my God, how does that even work? Weird. But God made us in his image, in his likeness, also three parts, spirit, and soul and body. We're designed by God to live and be alive in the Spirit. That's where God dwells. Now, you, you realize, you Friday night Christian, you would realize that God made man a three-part being, and yet, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, and yes, it was Adam, but it was also Eve. Now, I know we got a heavier population of ladies here tonight, so I'm not going to ride that too hard. I saved that for the men's meeting. You know, it gets a shout. But, uh, okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, uh, when mankind, man and woman, when they sinned, just what God said would happen, happened, they died. But they didn't die physically, did they? In fact, they went on to live. I think Adam was in his 900s. 900s. You know, we're impressed somebody gets into their 90s. Made it to the 90s. I oh, made it, man. Great, that's great. He was, he was in the 900s. I'm not sure I would even want to live that long. <laughs> you know, here. Anyway, though, <laughs> he was in the 900s when he died physically, but he died instantly, spiritually, when he stepped over the line and went into sin. He actually embraced sin when he embraced Satan's direction and instruction. So from that point forward, really man lived, though he was a, Three-part being, man really has always lived as a two-part being. Dead in the spirit, nothing spiritual. All in the soul and all in the body. God made us to live out of our spirit, but due to sin and all that that spiritual death brought, it distanced man from God and the light on the inside went out. Now, everything God would do in people's lives from that point on was going to be around them, and it would be in their soul, but they were dead spiritually. And so here's the reason I bring all that up. Because at the new birth, it was exactly that. It was the birth 
of spiritual life in a person's life. That's why it's so dramatic when you get give your life to Jesus. That's why you know that you're born of the Spirit of God. Something went off, or really better, something went on. The light came on, on the inside. You became a spiritual and a three-part being back to God's original intent. Glory to God. He made us to live like this. So in the New Testament, when you read the word heart, oftentimes you could substitute the word spirit and it'd be completely accurate when he's talking about the spirit of man, the born again, living, alive spirit of a person. But it's interesting that not every time that the word heart is used, could it really, in context, be referring to the spirit? There are times where it is clearly not referring to the spirit of a person. It is really referring to the soul of a person. Now, let me talk to you about the soul for just a minute. The soul of a person, everyone has soul. Don't let anybody tell you you don't have any soul. I got soul. I may not have rhythm, but I've got soul. Vic and I, no, I'm not going to tell you that. I was going to tell you we took dance lessons one time, but it was ugly. Uh, Okay, I got to get back. I just had a vision of how that went. Man, it was really, really dark. (laughs) So, are you laughing with me? Yeah, all right. You understand. (laughs) The soul is the mind, will, intellect, emotional side of our life. It's still our inner life. It's still what goes on on the inside, but it's not spiritual. It's soulish. It's emotions. The emotions, emotions aren't evil in themselves. No, they're, they're meant to serve us, but our emotions can, can be up and down. You can't trust them. They can flip on you real quick. And so we can't really let our emotions guide us, so we don't want to live by our feelings, but man, it does feel good to feel good. So I like, I like emotions. And we need some more emotions in the church, in the body of Christ. I think, I think that'd be okay. But the right, the right positioning for those emotions, not just goofy stuff. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited about all this so far. So what is the heart? I believe the heart of the human life is the connecting point where the spirit and the soul overlap and are linked together. I believe that is the place where heaven and earth touch. That is the place where the spirit world and the natural world connect. It all connects in the heart of the human being. This is where God wants to work. He wants to bring what is true in the Spirit and make it real in our natural experience. And he does so by flooding his spiritual power and truth through the heart of a man and into the life and emotions and mindset and actions and habits and even into their experiences. It comes out of the Spirit and floods through the soul of a person. And what God is doing, and the reason God wants to restore a person's life, not just have them born again, not that I'm belittling that in any way, don't take that wrong, but you realize there's more to walking with God than getting saved and making Jesus the Lord of your life, that initial experience. I mean, God really is in our life to do more than only take us to heaven. You realize that, don't you? It's not really all about going to heaven. If it was, it'd be great. It'd be more than enough. But God has even bigger plans, and that includes the restoration and the healing of your life so that the power of God and the kingdom of God works through people right now and deals with the issues that Satan has been taking advantage of people in. 
God wants to exercise his dominion and he wants to do it through you and me over all of the things Satan and sin have done to wreck people's lives. So that's, that's our task. It is to grow up in God and to understand the authority and the power that we have born inside of us, but it really has to flood into our soul. So I'm going to use a term here, and, and this may shock you, but you'll get it. Being born again is not the same thing as having your soul saved. The salvation of a soul. And we use that term and we use it fine. And I'm not against it. I'll probably use it again. How many souls were saved, you know? And we all know what we mean. We all mean how many people gave their life to Jesus, which is correct. And I'm for it. But just for a Friday night service with you hardcore Friday night Christian people, I want to dissect this enough because I believe there's something the Holy Spirit is about to do in people that's really going to heal things within a person's soul. Let me read something to you from the book of James that'll kind of help underscore what I'm getting at. James, the first chapter. Glory to God. In verse 21, he says this, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. But now watch this, the second half of this verse. This is why we're here. And receive. Everybody say receive. Receive. He said receive with meekness. What? The implanted or engrafted word. I'm I'm reading the New King James. I forgot to tell you that part. Yeah, implanted. Uh, The implanted word. James is talking to people like us, people that know Jesus. And what does he say to people like us? He said, you can and must receive with meekness the word that's been implanted in you. Where would the word be implanted? When you got born again, it was implanted in your spirit. Your innermost being, you were born of the Spirit of God. And now all of God's truth and power and greatness has been planted and born on the inside of every one of us. But he tells us this, we still have to receive it. Why do we have to receive it, Dennis? I'm already saved. I'm going to heaven. Here's why. He said, receive with meekness the implanted word. Here's why. Which is able... To save your souls. That's amazing. So a person who has the word implanted in them, which would mean they're born of the Spirit of God, the incorruptible seed of God's word, they've been born by the word, that incorruptible seed has caused them to be born, so the word is planted, and yet their soul is not automatically saved. So what does James say? He said, receive with meekness what has been planted in you. Why? So that your soul... Now, what is the soul again? It's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. It's that inner life, but not spirit life. Receive with meekness what is your spirit life in the Word. Receive it in your soul so that your soul would be made whole. Let's use that word. Saved sometimes sounds too churchy for us, and that's all right. I mean, the idea is that your soul would be made whole. That sounds like it rhymes. We have too many Christians, we have lots of Christians who love Jesus and their soul is all screwed up. (laughs) Things had not changed for them, really. They continue to have the same struggles or same bad habits or same wrong thinking or maybe they've now developed more wrong thinking and bad habits or at least changed bad habits. Maybe they have gotten rid of the habits that are not socially acceptable for some habits that are just as destructive and yet more socially acceptable. Some habits that even might 
filter into a church setting okay. There's some habits some folks can cultivate that are socially acceptable and even acceptable at church. They're just wrong. <laughs> they just don't qualify for the blessing of God. All right, it's going to get better. It really is. This message is going to get a lot better. So he said, receive with meekness the implanted word. What happens when someone, for example, is someone whose soul, whose life, whose emotions, whose experience has been walked on over and over and they've gotten hardened? Now the word is sown into their soul, but it doesn't penetrate. It doesn't get in. They're not receiving in their soul what's planted in them. As the Word of God is spoken, as you come into a setting like this, uh, too, many, too many things have gone wrong. Too many things haven't gone the way you, you thought it should. Too many people have wronged you. Too many words have been said. Too many whatevers have happened. And uh, though God has real answers, it's not penetrating. And it's really not going to make any difference. You can, you can listen to things. Now, this is shocking. But you can listen to a lot of the Word and get nothing. People do it all the time. And it's not the fault of the leader. Now, and we're not looking to cast blame. I'm just, we're just trying to unwrap something here. I met a minister, this was years ago. He pastored a great church and... He was at a conference that I was at, and he shared an experience that he had, and I've, I've really told this story many, many times ever since I heard him describe it, because it really did describe so many things, really along the line that I'm talking about right now. There was a lady in his church, she was in her early 30s, had two children, and she was diagnosed with cancer. She began to take treatments and do everything medically she could, but she was going to a church that believed in healing, believed in the power of God, applied their faith, believed that God wanted her well. This pastor said, I, I had the whole church praying for her. Everybody was praying for her. She was praying, listening to the Word, doing all the right things, everything right. Everything I would do, everything probably you would do. But she didn't get better. She was getting worse. One day, she was now in the hospital. One day, the pastor driving across town, got a word from the Lord. said, I want you to go by and visit her. And I want you to just ask her one question. So he turned his car. He was on the other side of town. He went over to the hospital to visit her. She had scriptures on the wall. She had tape player. It was tapes in the, at this point. <laughs> tapes playing and had her Bible there. I mean, she was, she was doing all the things that I would want somebody to do. And this pastor came in and just asked the question that the Lord had given her. She, they chatted for a moment. And he, he told her why he was there. I'm here to just ask you one question. And look, there's no wrong answer. I just need to ask this question of you. Are you going to live or are you going to die? And you know what she said? It was, it was surprising to him. She said, and kind of got a little funny look on her face and said, you know, Pastor, I, I haven't said this to anybody. I, I haven't even, even said this to my husband. But she said, I knew the moment I received this diagnosis that I was going to die with this. I just didn't want to disappoint anybody. And he said, well, you know, you know what we believe around here and you know what we preach and you've stood on it with us and but I need to know this what you've just told me because I need to be able to tell my church that God didn't fail them 
that God didn't fail to answer their prayer, that you had already settled something. For whatever the reason, and this wasn't a condemning moment. It wasn't a you shouldn't do that type of moment. It was, okay, you've settled this, then you've settled it. But your children will also need to know because they're going to ask questions as to why you didn't receive even when we prayed for you and you were saying and doing all of the right things. But for whatever the reason, this pastor didn't get the reason from her other than to just say, I just knew that's the way it was going to go. Now, God does, in his word, tell us he has other plans. But here's the thing we've got to know. There is no sting in death. Sin has been eradicated. Say, well, so Dennis, you could stand on God's word and believe in all of this and, and, and it not work? Well, in this particular lady's case, she wasn't standing on everything. There's a couple of things that I want to deal with here in a moment that I think will help maybe understand how that can happen. But here's the real truth of it also. The moment she left her body, she was in the presence of the Lord. It's like, don't cry for me, Argentina. I, I'm, I am where I want to be. We had another friend of ours that went on to heaven and she'd let people know, don't call me back. I'm ready, I'm done, I want to go. So don't be praying for me to come back or be praying for me to get healed, I'm fine. Some of you know Bear Morgan, you know, you remember Bear? I spent... A long time with Bear, a lot of time with him, just before he went to heaven. And uh, he had some Christians, some ministers get real mad at him because he had decided he was going to heaven. He had a brain tumor and he'd gotten healed of it twice. I mean, they had pictures of it and then had pictures it wasn't there and then pictures it was there and then pictures it wasn't there. For some reason, on the third time around, he just was done. He said, I'm done. He said, Dennis, I've been shot. I've had every bone broken. He said, I've had a bear was a tough guy. He spent more time in prison than out. And he'd been a serious bad guy at one point. I mean, for a real bad guy. And so he just said, I'd had all these things happen. He said, man, I hurt all over. And he said, you know, Jesus loves me and I just want to go to heaven. Well, that's hard to argue with, you know. But boy, he had some people mad at him like he was failing. Well, what's failing about going to heaven? What is it? Why is it that we preach about how good it is and then somebody gets ready to go and we're ticked off at them because they're going? <laughs> and I know there's other factors involved, but um, anyway, I got way off into things I didn't think I'd go into. But I'm not taking it back. You know that there are there are ways of receiving what God has said. In this lady's case, there was something she just wasn't going to receive. And we don't know why. Pastor didn't find out why, but she had just settled it. And that's what happened. Sometimes there's just questions you're just not going to end up getting the full answer to that you're going to like. You've got to decide, and we've all decided. We're just going to live on and believe what God said anyway. We can't let other people's experience define our faith. Our faith is described and defined by what God has said, not by what other people have or have not received. And it doesn't really matter who they are. All right, I'm not going to spend any more time on that. You get it. Some receive the word. It stays shallow. They don't really receive it deep in their life. They receive and have some joy. And yet Jesus said, here's what happens. Because they don't let it keep working and breaking up 
the hardness within their soul, they have joy and it lasts for a while, but it doesn't last for long. When the heat's on, they wilt. Others, they receive the word. And the way Mark really describes it in, in when Jesus taught it, Mark described how he taught it that time. Jesus said that the, the soil that received the word began to bear fruit. And then as things began to enter in, it choked the word out and it became unfruitful. Some bear fruit and bear fruit and bear fruit, and then things begin to crowd out the authority and the power and the anointing of God out of their soul, not out of their heart. We're not talking about them going to hell. We're talking about them not bearing the fruit, not having the results, maybe that even they once had. Something began to crowd it out. I think if there's anything that people that show up to church on a Friday night deal with, it's that. I think if there's anything I deal with more than anything out of those kind of things that we're just talking about, it is the things that come to try to crowd out God's Word, to create an unfruitful life from a life that has been bearing fruit. There's a variety of things that Jesus said can do that, This is what I call an overcrowded heart. Too many things going on. Too many things that are growing in the same soil and you just can't grow everything. Something's going to suffer. And in this case, here's what it says. It says that the word is going to be choked out by the cares of this world or the various things that he described. That's the thing that I think for us as believers, we have to pay attention to a lot. But then, thank God, there are those, they receive the word and it bears fruit and it just keeps bearing fruit. I had the Lord say something to me and and it really, now that we've spent the time to talk about this example and this picture of the word and seed and soil, I want to teach really, and this is primarily why I brought it up, so that we could look at the very next parable. This message, so I'm about to start. This message is not really about that parable. (laughs) All right, and I'm just going to, since I'm confessing my soul to you, uh, I'm also going to tell you that what I'm going to teach you out of the next parable is not what Jesus was teaching when he told this parable. So, there. There. (laughs) <laughs> but you'll see, you'll see the point and why we're taking this road because in the very next parable in Matthew 13, Jesus uses the exact same metaphor, seed and soil and harvest. And so I want to read just the first three verses of this parable. Now, if you're like a lot of people, you're going to go ahead and read on while I'm talking about these three parables. <laughs> And that's fine. I mean, you do whatever you want, you see, but I'm not going to stop while you finish. (laughs) So verse 24, here is another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept... His enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, look at this, the weeds also grew. One day I was in prayer about some things, and it was really things that I don't want to have to tell you about. (laughs) You know. So I'm not going to tell you much, but it was some things I had seen and recognized, some patterns and some habits and some ways that certain things could just flip a switch in me and and the responses were not really what they should have been. Man, I've been serving Jesus a long time. 
I've been walking with God. I've been walking in the ministry a long time. I've been serving Jesus. God, I've been doing miracles. The ministry had been flourishing. We'd been seeing all kinds of great things, and yet I still had these things that God said this to me one day while I was in prayer. He said, son, there are weeds among your seeds. Well, I knew that wasn't good. I knew exactly what he meant. I knew exactly what he was talking about. There are weeds among your seeds. But what I didn't know is all the detail as to what was really precipitating this because I'd really dealt with a lot of things and God had pointed out tons of things in my life for a long time. You know, you'd think after a period of time, now I've been serving Jesus since 1971, you would think that after a period of time, you'd really make enough progress where he could lighten up on you. (laughs) That has not been my experience. (laughs) Maybe I'm slow. But man, he was after me again on this and and I, I didn't really know all the details, but I knew exactly the, the overall issue was there are weeds, there's areas, there's things growing and remaining, and they don't belong there. But now, here's something encouraging about this, because it was an enemy that sowed these seeds. Now, that's what he says here. Jesus isn't blaming the farmer that sowed the seed. He's certainly not going to blame the seed. If there's anything here that needed to be changed, and there is, it is uh, that we can learn from, it is that this happened when the workers were asleep. Now, obviously, he's not talking about just you you can't sleep anymore. He's not talking about that. But oftentimes, Christians in our Christian life, we can sort of end up asleep at the wheel, moving along in the directions that we know God's taken us, and yet there are some things that we are not letting the Holy Spirit in on in our life. An enemy has come and sown these things, and we're not dealing with it. We're covering it over somehow. This is what God had brought up to me. Well, I didn't like it. You know, I'll just be honest with you. Not not everything that God says to me am I all that excited about. There are things I'm clearly not excited about that God brings up. There are certain scriptures in the Bible I don't like. I avoid them. (laughs) I know. You guys look so holy. (laughs) See, I can't say that on Sunday. It would freak people out. But you guys, I think you could take it. (laughs) I mean, we're word people, but, you know, we're really favorite word people we had you know john osteen years ago this is joel osteen's daddy he'd say he'd say if you really want to grow he said underline the things that are not underlined in your bible (laughs) and study those (laughs) yeah praise the lord well this isn't a really exciting message apparently but um, we're moving along here. So the Lord says to me, he said, there are weeds. You know, weeds are demonic, I think. I think weeds just in general. I mean, even natural weeds. You know, I just live in a, in a suburb, and, and, but even there, if we want to just grow a little garden or put, plant some flowers or uh, put some grass in, I mean, uh, man, you got to do it just right. You got to treat everything really good. You got to, you know, plant the right flower. You got to dig at the right depth, and you got to nurture the dirt just right. And you got to feed it, and you got to talk to it nice. And and uh, then if it doesn't bloom, you know, you got to figure out what else to do. And you know, weeds are not like that. Weeds, they just grow. Weeds don't even need water. I'm not sure they need oxygen. These things are demonic, and and they they. Grow right where you don't want them they grow you're working on other things to grow you're struggling to get that to grow but the weeds they grow fine they get green earlier in the season they grow taller you cut them down right to the dirt they're back in the morning and they're mocking you they're talking to you you can't get rid of me oh man 
All right, so I'm not great in the garden, but... <laughs> well, there's weeds in people's lives, weeds that are in people's soul. Keep in mind, this isn't something that gets into your spirit. I mean, just for technical purposes here. The rightness and righteousness of God is born into us, but there is a soulish part of our life that has to be saved. And we have to receive the implanted word for the restoration, for the healing, for the delivering of certain things in our life. Now, look, I know there's all kinds of weird stuff taught about this and even non-Christian groups that have all kinds of bizarre things that you have to do to get things fixed in your head. And, and uh, I don't subscribe to that, but I do subscribe to the fact that when you get saved, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. There are still some things in your life that don't look just like Jesus. And so that's the process, isn't it? That's how we have to change. And even walking with God for a long time, all right, even being a minister for a long time, even serving Jesus and seeing miracles for a long time doesn't mean that everything is just like Jesus. There's still stuff. So look, this is none of your business, but this is what I had to talk about tonight. So I went to the Lord. I'm saying, all right, Lord, I get it. There's weeds, man. This is not going the way I want it. There's certain things happening I'm not happy about. Certain, certain, certain things that flip a switch I don't want. But this isn't changing, and I need to know what's going on because this thing has to change. And I began to ask the Lord about it, and God began, and he opened me up to something, and it shocked me when he did. I mean, it really did. It shocked me what Satan had sown into my life and how that had been such a part of all of my life up until the time God showed this to me. Let me give you a scripture that the Lord gave me to help me understand this. It was in Psalm 27, again in the New Living Translation, Psalm 27 and verse 10. Now, some of you know a little about my testimony I may, if the Lord allows me to, I'm going to take a direction Sunday where I may give a little more of it than I typically would. I don't give a lot of my, my story because a lot of it I really just don't like. And so, you know, you just don't bring it up. And, uh, but God's not letting me get away with that as much. And that's a real bummer. <laughs> but I know I've told you uh, here at some point anyway that when I was 13 years old, I was already in the drug scene, and I was living in Southern California where I grew up. And uh, I was already in drugs and rock and roll, and it was a dark, dark time already by the time I was 13. But at 13, my dad committed suicide. And that took me and put me a lot further into self-medicating and trying to cover up and do all the stuff that you do when you don't know what to do. Well, you know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I thought, sure enough, man, I mean, this is, this is it. All that's been, all whatever was going on there, that's dealt with. I'm born again. I love Jesus. God's my Father. And, and I got it, man. God's my Father. And uh, God really helped me with a lot of things in understanding that side of things. But now, years have passed, and I'm hitting this wall in this one department and area that I'm talking about and God said there's weeds among the seeds and I'm asking him what it's all about and he takes me to this verse and I'm saying are you serious this is what's going on it shocked me because here's what the verse says even if my father and mother abandoned me and that was the word that God gave me are you serious Lord it's that I wouldn't have believed it if the Lord hadn't told me that. If somebody come along and said, uh, you've got an issue because uh, your daddy committed suicide and you've, you're dealing with abandonment, I said, no, I'm really not. <laughs> I just didn't feel I was. He didn't do it to me. He did it to him. It was his deal. I didn't take it. I mean, this sounds, all right, 
All right, it was personal, but I didn't take it like he was doing it to me. So in that way, I didn't take it personal. And so I just, I just went on, and that's what you do. You don't know what to do, you just go on. But now all those years have passed, and the Lord takes me into this, and he said, even when your father, and he focused me on that, that way, abandon you. I'm saying, are you serious, Lord? I'm dealing with that? And the Lord said, abandonment is rooted in fear. And because of the gaps that that created for you, there has been an underlying fear that only pops up when certain things are just right. Well, actually, just wrong. But when those certain things pop up and are just wrong, that fear hits. And you solve it in the way you always have. Well, you don't solve it. You try to deal with it. Really? I would not have believed that if the Lord hadn't said all this to me. I said, well, all right then. <laughs> At least we know what's up. And so here's what he said is the solution. Because having a problem... Without a solution, it is like a complaint. <laughs> but I, I don't need to be complaining about this. I just need a solution, and, and here it is. It's words that we've all heard and believed and seen and said before, but here's what he said. He said, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. God doesn't push us away. Here's the amazing thing, that even when we're in our troubled times, even when we are hitting bottom or we're spacing out or we're running one direction or the other, God doesn't push us away. He's ready to hold us close no matter what. Glory to God. There's no condemnation in Christ. So he said, I'm ready to bring you closer than you've allowed me to ever bring you. I said, well, Lord, I'm in, man. This is what I'm after. And he began to just help me understand how simple this could be for the Lord to hold me close when that fear started to come up and I would react a certain way. Are you with me in this? Now, Jesus talked about the, the power of God doing this. This was a major part of what he came to do. He described what the anointing would do, and he described it in his very first message that we have record of. Let's look at it in uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. You remember the setting. Now, this isn't his first sermon, but it's the first one we have a record of. He'd been teaching, but he came to the synagogue on this particular day which was his habit. And the Bible says when he went in, he was asked to come forward and, as a teacher, a rabbi himself, to uh, give a word to the congregation of this synagogue. So he went in, picked up the scroll, the book of the prophet Isaiah, and opened it to the place that we know to be Isaiah chapter 53. No, chapter 61. Somewhere in Isaiah. <laughs> and so he began to read. In verse 18 of Luke chapter 4, it reads this way. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now here it is. He has sent me to heal, look at this, the brokenhearted the broken-hearted. 
what would, what would it mean then to be broken hearted? It's not just a relational break. It's the break between the soul and spirit. It's where the heart, what we were talking about, where the spirit and soul meet, where there is a break, a misalignment, where things are not in harmony and lining up as they could and as they should, where what God has deposited on the inside of you as a born-again believer, it's not making it into the soulish part, the emotional or mental or habit or that part of your being because there is a break. Something has created a misalignment. It's like this. It's like if we had a large, a large pipe carrying water, just high pressure, a water main just running water fast and hard. And suddenly there's a little crack that forms on the side somewhere in the pipeline. Well, this water, because of the pressure, man, it's spewing out this side. It's going to have an effect, even though a very minor effect, because it's just a small crack. But it's going to have an effect on what gets all the way to where it's really supposed to be going. But the bigger that crack gets, the more it affects the flow. But if there is a major break in a water main, none of it ends up going through the, the pipe. It ends up shooting up 15 feet in the air somewhere in the middle of some street somewhere. And you've seen that happen. There is so much power on the inside of you as a believer. It's just like that water main that has the capacity to flow with anything that God has that you need. It's all on the inside. It's all flowing. Jesus said it, out of your innermost being would flow rivers of living, life-giving waters. But when there's a break, it just doesn't happen. And we've got people, believers, they love Jesus, they're going to heaven, they're born of the Spirit of God, but there's a misalignment to use that idea or to say it another way, there are weeds among the seed. And it is stopping the real results that the Holy Spirit wants to bring and that he has to bring. So he's come to heal the broken. Glory to God. And the body of Christ, every church, every church I've ever been to is loaded with people that are still broken. Why? Because an enemy has sown something in their life at some point in their life. And it hasn't really been healed in their soul. You follow me in this? And so God has come to heal the broken here tonight in this service. Let me give you a few other verses about this that are just really strong. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 147, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. Glory to God. It's interesting that when he talks about healing or binding up, it really is the idea in just studying the way the, the word is in the, uh, in the Hebrew text, it is the idea of wrapping up like a little baby, wrapping them tight and holding them close. It's the very idea. It's the same exact idea as what Psalm 2710 says, the Lord will hold you close. It's like he will wrap a person and pull you close. There's people here in this audience, and the reason God's had me go down this road tonight 
is because I know for a fact there's someone, maybe more than one, there's people here in this audience whose soul is broken for whatever the reason. And God's come to heal your soul. We're going to receive the implanted word to bring healing, salvation, wholeness. That's what that word save the soul really means, to make whole, to bring all the healing and all the resource of heaven into your emotions and into your head and into your habits and into your thoughts so that there is healing in your heart to align what is in your spirit with what now can go washing through your soul. So I want you to stand with me and I just want us to take some time and pray.